Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on September the 27th, 2022. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, fighting off the evil AI in his mind... Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be discussing our September Game Club, which was Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition. We'll be revealing our next game club for Spoopy Month. Twitch Creator Chief... Exits with controversy over streamer pay swirling. AIM Junkies counter sues Bungie for hacking and DMCA violations. And the Grand Theft Auto 6 hacker suspect is held in a youth detention center. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. What's shaking, Bacon? Uh, well, people during the shocking uh, uh, skill kill true very true i'm i'm trying to think of something to say but honestly like you starting with that makes me want to just be like yeah a game club we did a game club that was interesting mm-hmm. let's uh, just do were, that yeah just dive right in let's just dive right in so game club i think it's my turn this month game club Whatever, for anyone, right <laughs> yeah who, who gives a shit right game club for anyone who is perhaps new uh to the show um we're sorry uh, is a time when Rage and I set aside specifically to play the same game and then talk about it. Over the years of us doing the show, we have we find ourselves more and more often having the same game to discuss. But still, Game Club is a way to also ensure that we can guarantee some community involvement as Although well. Although we didn't get any this month. I'm, uh, I'm just telling you, Hunter... The Hunter... Right? The Hunter well, I mean, there's new DLC that just dropped, which we both bought, and you've already played. Like, if something if something beats the Hunter this year for our Gang Club Game of the Year, I'm gonna be surprised. Mm-hmm. We're we're running out of time for something to beat it, so maybe maybe the Spoopy game can can provide something unique enough to beat it. But we'll we'll get there in a bit. But uh, no, yeah, no, no, that's not quite yet. No. So, for the month of September, we played Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition. Um, although, I think you could have played normal the, if you have the original Bulletstorm somewhere. I think yeah. that would have worked, too. I don't think there's any difference uh, in the story. The, uh, yeah. The, the remaster. Let's talk about that first before we really dive into the game. It's basically uh, a spit shine on the overall game. And for the PC version, getting rid of goddamn games for Windows Live. Which uh, seemed to really have turned off a lot of sales on this one. Oh, and also, yeah, made it not run like horse shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, I pulled a U this time around, and I did a little bit of digging, trying to figure out what happened, because this was a game that kind of just fell off the radar and... Outside of a cult following, nobody really talked about for, yeah, until uh, the full clip edition came out. Which then, and I have to say, tipping yeah, yeah. our hand a little bit, like a good game yeah. that just sort of fell off the radar and and died on the vine, as it were. Yeah, I didn't hunt down a Bulletstorm commercial, but it seemed like EA really leaned into the. Hey, it has dick jokes in it. All right? 
Yeah. I love dicks and dick jokes as much as much as the next queer person, but you know, they they really like some of them are like, hmm. You'd have been better served not trying to make a dick joke or a dick reference in this and just gone with another swear word. But, yeah. you know, other than the multiplayer, which we'll get to it, that might be my only, like, real complaint yeah. with the game is, like, not the language per se, like, I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck about swearing, but just, like, okay, that's really forced. You're really forcing, like, a dick and balls joke in, on there or a dick and balls comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh- bullet... Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, I went and quickly looked at a commercial. Uh, uh, EA from 11 years ago. And it basically shows nothing about what makes this game unique. You know, the skill shot system, the uh, uh, the uh, the leash, uh, nothing. So, it's basically talking about how uh, this uh, military sh- uh, shooter that might as well be published by EA is boring and this game is different but doesn't show why so alright of course so So, Bulletstorm is a first person shooter Mm -hmm. is I mean I know that like the hunter called wild is technically a first person shooter but is this the first sort of action oriented shooter we've had on game club ever we have to go back and look at the list again, to be perfectly honest. Let's see. Because, uh... We played Skyrim, which mm-hmm. is a first... Mostly, I mean, I know you can play Skyrim in third person, but mostly a first-person action-oriented game. Uh, I, I would disagree on action in Skyrim. The the, the age-old debate. It's It's been a while. Oh! I mean, if I wanted Boredom Simulator, well, there you go. There it is. There it is. Um, let's uh, see. Find them. We'll, we'll turn the tables. Red Dead Redemption Two. Eh. I've I I have just kind of burned out on being upset at things like that. I just am like, eh, whatever. I'm a, I'm a I'm a crotchety old man who just doesn't give a fuck anymore. I've I've turned the turned the page. I mean, so we played Portal. Portal is. Not actiony in this way, but Pray. it is. Uh yeah, we did do Prey. Is that that's the only other one though? Unless you want to get to stuff like, you know, sort of like this, which you could have like enter the dungeon. I guess we did Fallout, New Vegas, and all the DLC mm-hmm. for New Vegas. Gunslinger last year. Yeah, you're right. Colvar is Gunslinger. That's the closest in everything that we've we've played to what this is. Which I would say um, Gunslinger is a lot more refined. Gunslinger is a more refined game. I think it's a better... Uh, I was going to say a better experience. I don't think that's quite what I mean, though. They're, it's, you know, it's an apples to oranges comparison, with their biggest similarity being first-person shooter. They're doing very different things. Um, let's just, yeah, I don't think we've played anything quite like Bulletstorm. We've played a couple of other sort of first person-y action-oriented games. Um. Well, I think, uh, I think Gunslinger is actually a fair comparison because, uh, they both are tied to a skill system, even though, uh, in Gunslinger it is more just a high score than Bulletstorm, where 
if you kind of fall behind on that skill point, uh, you know, you're going to be hurting. You know, you yeah. have to play the system uh, as they intended. But yeah, so Bulletstorm is a game that originally released in February of 2011, mm-hmm. and it got its remaster, full clip edition, in 2017. Which, as you said, on PC removed, um, it updated the the visuals mm-hmm. and Did a few some, other uh, things, lighting effects, that sort of thing. Yeah, Jim, and then, uh, I added a little bit to the uh, echoes, for, but that was mostly bringing in DLC. Which the echoes is basically everything's tied to uh, the single player campaign. So you have the echoes, which is essentially uh, slices of the a single player campaign where you have to get a certain amount of skill points, which we'll get into the skill point system in a bit. Uh, to uh, progression, uh, unlock the next one, and uh, so on. Basically, a skill, uh, you know, a high score trophy thing. And then there's the multiplayer, which is also still segments of the single player maps. So. Yeah. But Bulletstorm is a, what I'll call an irreverent romp through um, a lot of interesting gameplay mechanics that we've seen other games develop farther or perhaps was pointing to a, a change in the industry that was going to be happening in the next couple of years around uh, Doom. Yeah, but, uh, you know, around the first-person shooters genre that Bulletstorm was maybe early to the party on. Um, Bulletstorm is extremely irreverent, but in a way that I think is, for the most part, lands well. Got Mm -hmm. a ton of, you know, dick and fart jokes and potty humor. Yeah, and a couple of homoerotic uh, elevator rides. Absolutely. Um, quite a few, uh, jokes around innuendo, but at the same time, I don't feel like that it goes too far mm-hmm. in, in directly in, um, in that irreverence, except for once it's got a couple of, of times where it throws out racial slurs. Yeah. But that's <laughs> mostly from the big, bad beam, big, bad and showing why you should hate him. Right. <laughs> Yeah, which on the one hand I understand, but on the other hand, it's like, okay. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a racist asshole. Um, mm-hmm. A lying racist asshole. So, but uh, the game is also full of blood and guts and gore. And it does gore in a way that's funny, mm-hmm. which is pretty hard to pull off. You know, doing gore, hardcore gore in video games can either come across as like incredibly fakey or... You know, like, uh, it's like, oh, you tried, but that's not really, you know, gross at all. And because this leans into the humorous side of it, um, it it can it can do some interesting things with its gore. Um, the single player, it, it is a primarily single player focused game. I don't remember the original release even having multiplayer. It may have um, full clip. Edition uh, it did. Has got... uh, I went back and looked at some reviews. OK. Uh, uh, and uh yeah, they pretty much said what we uh, commented uh, uh, off podcast about it. Yeah, the multiplayer feels incredibly tacked on because this was an era where that if you had a single player game, you had to tack on multiplayer. Specifically, this came out during the age of like, um, you know, wave based shooters. Gears of War had really popularized that um, in their their horde mode. 
as well as a couple of other games that were pretty prominent that had wave-based shooters in them, you know, PC indie games and such. Um, there's probably other stuff that I don't know about or I'm forgetting because I'm sleepy. But, you know, the 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 multiplayer is functionable and it could be, I think, fun with the right group of people and enough application of alcohol or drugs, but it's or dicks. very <laughs> right. But it, you know, it's, it's very repetitive, fun. so yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the problem is, one, it's tied so much to the single-player campaign that they can't do interesting arenas because it's just segments of, you know, the individual levels. So, you know, you're tied to these areas that are built for, you know, a single person to be running around and, you know, shoving their boot up, but... Uh, someone's crotch, right? Yeah. And two, there's not enough in enemy variety. Because you'll have two gangs that's fighting uh, that you fight and then fight each other. and But they're essentially the same thing. And you have a few elite units, and that's it. Outside of bosses, which didn't really seem to show up all that much. I mean, maybe if you continue on in the... Uh, uh, in it, but you know, you're doing the same thing for what 15 20 minutes and only still singing essentially the same enemies, but they're just you know, uh, to make it harder, they're throwing more enemies. But or, or was it the same amount of enemies in the in the skill score was getting higher to hit? It was the same amount of enemies, and the skill score target kept getting higher and higher. It was, it was 30 enemies every wave, and that might change based on how many people there are in the game. I'm not sure, I didn't look that up, but. We had 30 enemies every wave, and the amount of skill score you needed went up every wave. And then every so often there'd be an enemy that had a skill score challenge that half the time we didn't even know what the hell uh, the challenge, you know, how to do it. Yeah. It would just say, okay, uh, do like the, uh, you know, the skeet shooting challenge. And then if you hit, you know, uh, the text uh, or, you know, the uh, help, It'll pop up, show how to do it, or you know, give you a hint. But the thing is, this is also a horde shooter. Do you really want to sit still and read something about this, right? Yeah, probably not. I didn't. It, it feels like this... Uh, um, um, and I should say it feels like this because it is. It's a middle road between, like you said, the old school... Space Marine, you know, Gears of War, clunky chest-high walls, uh, hide, uh, regenerating health, the uh, shooter, and what came out a few le- years later, Doom, and now we're seeing, you know, stuff like Metal Hellsinger uh, and others following along where it's very fast-paced, but there's, if you sit still to regenerate health, you die. You have to perform some sort of thing to regenerate health. I mean, how even a uh, uh, space marine uh, had, you know, like, glory kills to be able to regenerate health without, you know, sitting around waiting for health to regenerate. Uh, and the fact that Bulletstorm didn't have that, it feels like it kind of missed the mark on what it was trying to do on being, you know, fast-paced and frantic, but, you know, also... Well, I'm going to sit behind this wall and suck my thumb until the Raspberry Jam goes away. Right? It's just this weird in-between of 
styles of, of uh, first-person shooter that sometimes yeah. in the more frantic fights didn't really gel, especially once you got later on in the, in the campaign where the difficulty starts to spike up as they introduce more and more elite squads and start throwing, okay, well, now we're going to throw... Uh, there was this one room early on in the last act of the game that it was like three or four boss-level enemies in this very tiny room with a bunch of explosions. And I kept dying there because, one, uh, the only way to regenerate health is to hide and, you know, for, what is it, like five, ten seconds and not get hit once you hit, like, a critical area. Uh, And two, and I'm not sure if you noticed this on your playthrough, but everything felt so sticky. There was, like, all this little geometry that you would stick on. Uh, If you had to jump over something, you had to walk, uh, run up to it, stop, and then jump over it. And it I did really have problems bo- clambering over stuff. I didn't feel the first thing, though. It didn't feel sticky uh, to me. Everything felt like it was, you know, covered in, like, honey. Where if you brushed up with something the wrong way, you'd just get stuck to it for a moment. And that, along with my AI companions, sometimes just standing around yelling at me to kill something and not shooting. <laughs> you know, which, you know, up against a boss enemy, they don't want to take the kill, right? But they're yeah. telling me to shoot the backpack while the enemy's focused on me. And, you know, every time I try to run around it or, you know, or, or power slide past it or whatever, you know, he's just turning in place. There's just times that it felt like, okay, it wants to be fast-paced. It wants to be... Uh, over the top, but it's not giving me the tools to do so. Yeah. Not to say I, Let's... I, I don't like the game. It's just there. There's just times that the, the what the game wants to do and what the game actually does doesn't gel. Yeah, let's talk about that single player campaign a little bit. Actually, though, from a, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of a storytelling. Uh, yeah. And then how well it all kind of works together means yeah, so the story so... is is pretty bog standard. Um, you play Grayson Hunt. Definitely leader, not Spike Spiegel. Definitely right. not. Definitely not. The leader of a former sort of mercenary, or not mercenary, a former, or a former hit squad for a the former, big bad uh, evil like guy. A, like uh, Navy SEALs, you know. Yeah, uh, you were a special forces guy. You went in, you did, you know, wet work, um, black site kind of stuff. And everything that you did was hush-hush, and then you discover... Um, and on one of your jobs that you've been killing innocent people. And I kind of chuckled at this idea, but you know, that's because we live in the current year, which is the worst timeline that like, they would all get upset that they killed a reporter who had yeah. a kid. And like, that's the thing that got them to quit murdering well, but people. They, but, but they didn't realize, uh, one of the people on the team was checking the, uh, guy's, uh, computer and saw that he was a reporter. That it yeah. wasn't the fact that he was a reporter. It was the fact that it was a civilian. They check in with uh, General McDouchebag, and uh, and they never really say if it's yeah the government's sanctioning this or if it's him doing it behind the uh, the 
government's back or what. Yeah, I just... get the impression that he was doing it like behind the government's back. That's the impression I got, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Well, considering they went out of their way to explain, you know, why you're able to, you know, see these skill scores and why it's grading you, right? But they don't uh, say, you know, well, yeah, you know, uh, General McDouchebag is uh, the one that's actually in charge of the government or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and, it, and the reason why you're doing all the wet work against civilians, you know, people that are doing uh, exposés on the general, that sort of thing, that's the what the reporter was doing, was doing some sort of uh, investigative work on the general who he found out and uh, sent uh, Lost Echo to go, you know, Spray his brains are, uh, around the, his office, right? Which was that was the name of your your squad was Lost Echo. Um, but you know, so so this happens. Your character or the character you're playing, Grayson, um, you know, basically takes the whole squad AWOL and they follow him. And you kind of pick up a little ways into the future from this, with your ship being hunted by bounty hunters. And then you stumble onto General Douchebag's ship, and it's, oh no, it's too powerful. So you uh, wharf it, you know, you today's a good day to die, you prepare ramming speed, you crash into go, it. Go through it, actually. Yeah, you punch through it, and your ship and that ship crashes onto the planet below, which is a planet that is a essentially like a horrible radiation infested planet filled yeah, it with was mutants. A former resort uh, that was being built by convicts that they basically uh, got mutated by you know government lack of oversight and just bad ideas and started murdering each other and, yep. and the Taurus. Yep. And one of your squad mates by the name of Ishii. So your your squad gets killed after you crash that on the planet, one of your squad mates um, barely survives. They wind up grafting in the ship's AI into his body, along with some other nanotechnology mumbo-jumbo, to ensure that he lives. And he spends the entire game kind of having a split personality, trying to fight off the influence of the robot, or the AI. Um, and Grayson is trying to manage his desire to kill the general with the desire to escape, and trying to Figure something out for his friend Ishii. Mm-hmm. Uh, who uh, is slowly being taken over by AI because uh, uh, in the first act or uh, after you crash your ship, uh, Ichi uh, got severely injured in the crash. Yeah, as one does when falling from fucking space. Of course. Uh, and to save his life the uh the doc named doc uh original yeah uh, well a lot of originality in this uh uh decides to you know enhance his bionics which it uh with you know random shit essentially and shoves a bunch of robotics in them but the entire thing goes back uh, yeah goes up in literal flames whenever the the mutated bandits break in during the procedure. So, all right. Yeah. And then from there, it's, you know, you're trying to escape the planet, and you run into some other characters, specifically 
<clears throat> excuse me, the daughter of the journalist you killed. You find that out later. You don't find that right away. Um, I mean, looking back, it's like, duh. I didn't. Yeah. But... I, I was a little preoccupied during that firefight, and I didn't think, oh, daughter, duh. Right. Yeah. But it's not exactly. It's not high class writing, but it's not terrible either. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, a I'm serviceable definitely... story to to do the most important thing, which is to get you from set piece fight to set piece fight. That's what this game is about, is spectacle. Both from the crazy shit that you end up doing, like fighting a giant excavator-type machine while you're on a train. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you know, I say fighting it, you're, you know, engaging with the environment, blowing up fuel tanks or shooting down helicopters and whatever to direct the path of this giant digging roller thing. Um you know, that's a spectacle fight. There's there's others in the game. And, like, that's what the story does, is it gets you from crazy fight to crazier fight. And it works really well. I... Yeah, and, and some really over-the-top fights as well, which uh, I think that was kind of the, uh, the crowning jewel on uh, just the entire journey, was, you know, how over-the-top it could be, but still not feel over overly ridiculous. Like, the uh, the long sequence on the train with the giant wheel, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think that I think the gunplay in the game is is good. It's fast paced. It's not as fast as modern Dune or Dune Doom. It's not as fast paced as modern Doom, but I think it's faster paced than any other shooter I've played that's in the you know contemporary range for 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 this game. I still put Gunslinger around that range. Uh, of, uh, you know, speed-wise. Yeah. Uh, and also just how over-the-top on the number of enemies you face at a time. Although, Bulletstorm does have it on, you know, you know suicidal enemies. Because there's quite a few that will just, you know, bull, uh, you know uh, run right at you and trying to blow you up. Yeah. So, there is that. Uh, my only comp- real complaint about gunplay is that I really ended up just relying on your default, you know, boring-ass marine assault rifle and the shotgun, and then kind of went uh, uh, on my third gun. You only get three on this one, which... mm, right. Although, once you beat the main story, then you get the option to carry all the guns at once. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then if you get all the skill shots, you get un- you unlock unlimited ammo. Although I do question, you know, outside of just yeah, goofing around, this doesn't really feel like a game that I I feel the need to replay. You know, no, but and that's just... not in a close time frame. I mean, this is the second time I've played it, but <laughs> last time was years and years ago. But that's also just me, I guess. Uh, but it, it felt like some of the more Interesting weapons never really had a chance to shine. Like, I love the uh, sniper rifle where you could, uh, after you shoot it, uh, uh, scoped in, locked on an enemy, you could steer the bullet in flight. Yeah. Which definitely makes up for some of the inaccuracies of console shooting. But the thing is that the environments are so closed that this is the time it feels like, you know, it's too claustrophobic to use the sniper rifle. Uh, the flail launcher, which is this thing that shoots 
two bombs attached to a chain. Once again, enemies don't cluster up enough to really make use of it. Because the big thing on that one, it doesn't have a lot of ammo, so you want to you know, kill a bunch of things at once. And right. the charge shots on a lot of them have the same problem where there are a lot of AOE effects, but things are too spread, either too spread out or you never really have the opportunity to make use of them. Like the snipers is it launches an explosive bullet. So once it makes contact with something, you can hit the button, the fire button again to explode the bullet. Yep. But whenever you're dealing with snipers, they're usually you know, really spread out. So that makes you know, not a lot of uh, sense. And you can't do, like, you know, explode the bullet in midair, as far as I can tell. And yeah, you, I, don't, I don't think so. And if you miss your target, it only goes for a few feet, then, you know, uh, the bullet just, you know, vanishes. So, you know, you can't, you know, like... Lock onto something close and then try to shoot something far away because it doesn't work like that. Right. And it wants to lock onto like the closest thing to your reticle. So, uh, the uh, bouncing ball of death, you unlock it very late. And once you unlock it, there's a lot of really tight rooms. That's just, yeah. The, I think the idea of it was that you're supposed to launch it and then kick it, but I just never could get the place for it to get for it to work. So that was a waste of my skill points. So I, I mean, maybe uh, it makes more sense uh, in the horde mode, but I just found the horde mode boring. <laughs> so you mentioned skill points. You've mentioned those once already. Let's talk, talk about those a minute too. So in this sing, you know, in the single player pick campaign, they for the most part, govern your pro- progression. Um, you unlock a well, new that, weapon. That along with the, the drop pods. Because only certain weapons will show up once you get so far in the story. Yeah. So there are these drop pods that you use your leash with, which I guess we could talk about that in a minute, too. But you um, gather skill points from doing the skill kills. And the skill kills are... A combination of utilizing your environmental effects along with different weapons to get different things. So, for example, one of the easiest ones uh, is Vertigo, which is just kicking someone to their death. So, they're you know you're on top of a large structure, which happens multiple times. Essentially, out of bounds because yeah. it could happen. It happens even if there's like a structure below them, but yeah, you know, they're no longer in bounds in the level. Right. Another pretty simple, repetitive one is like Pincushion, where you kick somebody into a bunch of sharp objects uh, that eviscerates them, like uh, these little, like, cactus barb things that sometimes grow on walls, or um, you know, some kind of uh, thorny type things, rebar sticking out of walls, stuff like that. Um, So, you know, there's there's some easy-to-do repetitive ones. There's more complicated ones, which might require multiple weapons to set up, or specific environmental effects. Um, for example, in one of the later levels, I guess in Act 5, there's all of these like man-eating plants. And if you kick an explosive barrel into one's mouth, and they go to eat it, and it blows up and kills them. I forget what the, the skill thing was for that, but it gives you like extra skill skill points. Because it's like, oh, it's... I, you know. So the first time you do one, you get double points for it anyways. But then afterwards, some of them are worth more than others. And then there's the boss uh, uh, 
tied ones, where they're usually tied to killing the boss that gives you a good chunk of skill points. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, what was it, mincemeat for uh, the big guy with the helicopter? Or, or something like that, where... And when you kick those guys into the rotor blades and it yeah. tears them up, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one for the giant mutated fly, uh, man-eater, which I'm blanking on the name of it now. But there are also, yeah, the names of the achievement for killing the balls, so... But it's basically as a way to replenish after of a, a difficult fight. And you spend the skill points as a currency to restock ammo, to get charge shots, to upgrade the amount of charge shots you have. Charge shots are weapon secondary fire. Yeah, 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 essentially. Every gun has one. They all tend to be much more powerful than basic fire. And usually some sort of AoE attack. Yeah. Either shooting off an explosion, if it's an explosive causing more explosions. Um... Uh, the, I think the sole uh, exception to that rule is actually the flail, which it launches like this superheated flail that just chops through everything. I mean, it's still an AOE, but you know, it's not an explosion. Right. Uh, I mean, the uh, skill-up system, or the unlock system, is serviceable, and once you, uh, you know, discover a weapon uh, through the single-player campaign, and I'm assuming that even if you skip it, you would unlock it in the next drop pod anyway, which you access with your leash. Uh, you pay so many skill points to unlock the ability to, uh, one, put it on your weapon wheel as either your left or right. I mean, it's, all right. Uh, uh, a weapon for free. Uh, or uh, that's the other option was to yeah, uh, request the weapon if you're not using it. That I was blanking on. Yeah. And it's serviceable, but it felt like the the one thing that multiplayer did right was it had a more in-depth progression system for for using your skill points. Yeah, that did do, like, added damage or give you more health or more damage resistance. Or run Things that speed. would make sense. Yeah, things that would make sense for there to be in a single player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's serviceable, and uh, the big uh, skill point dump at the end of the boss fight really uh, is there to replenish, uh, or not fully replenish, but help you get back on your feet after you know using a lot of uh, stuff on a boss. And it doesn't feel like it's punishing you for spending all your uh, charge shots on you know a difficult encounter, which is nice. Yeah. So, trying to think. The leash, unless you yeah, we didn't it and really I missed discuss, it. We didn't really discuss the leash. The leash was uh, really the you uh, the other unique thing outside of the idea of skill kills. Where think of it as a giant electric or uh, electronic, I guess I should say, uh, skill punk, uh, cyberpunk esque uh, uh, bullwhip where you could. For most enemies, bosses are an exception, and also some of the faster, quote-unquote, uh, enemies, where you could leash out, grab them, bring them in, and then kick them. And whenever you leash them in, uh, they kind of 
do like a slow motion float once they get close to you to make yeah. it easy to do like a headshot or do a particular skill kill. Or you could leash environmental stuff. Like you mentioned the man-eating plants. You could uh, leash them and do a quick time event to kill them uh, without having to expend you know, environmental stuff. You could uh, leash like an explosive barrel and then kick it uh, off to the enemy uh, to explode in the air or, you know, or explode on them. Uh, and I did find the leash actually really enjoyable to use for the most part. There was times that it would feel like it just wouldn't lock on to what I wanted it to, but that just might be me. And, uh, you know, it would like, okay, well, I want to leash that guy next to the guy that uh, I can't leash because he's too fast, you know, somehow, right? And it would just keep locking onto the too fast guy. <laughs> right. So. Oh, oh, and you could also leash weapons. That was the other thing is that you could leash a weapon to you to get a little bit of ammo, which is the other way to replenish ammo. Yeah. I think. I don't, I don't think I have anything else to say about it. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, some generalities, but like, the leash, the skill system, the campaign, like it's all pretty straightforward. It all works. It's all competently made. Um yeah, it, it's one of those games that looking back at it, it feels like it should have been a, a, a you know, if not a major franchise, you know, had a couple games because it does end on a sequel bait. And the fact that it had a post-Christmas release, it released the same day as uh Killzone 3. It was plagued with games for Windows Live. EA blamed uh, uh, Pirates because it didn't re- reach its unrealistic uh, sales target because they were expecting it to sell like Gears of War did, right? As a as a unique uh, yeah first uh, game, right? Yeah. The game is very solid. Like, it's in solid, like, B plus, A minus territory for me. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really good first entry, and the thing is that it is more focused on single player. Even though the game does feel a little bipolar at times, going between you know a giant stompy uh, robot, and then talking about how uh, guilty he feels for you know getting his crew killed, right? Yeah. So there is yeah, for a serviceable uh, yeah, somewhat small story to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's competent and does the job, and I'm disappointed that it didn't really take off. And it might just be the fact that, you know, EA dropped the ball because that's who published it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, whenever there's poor sales for a game that, as far as we could tell at least, was pretty competent, pretty well reviewed, that typically falls at the feet of the publisher. And, well, uh, I mean, they fucked it up. Yeah, they fucked it up. They had a bad release window. I mean, February, really? I mean, that's not a great time for releases, is it? I no, mean, not that I know of. I mean, it's uh, it, that's in between the you know, usual you know picking back up of late spring and you know obviously the you know post Christmas sales. Yeah, and also the it's. Everything I've heard that the PC port was just terrible. Of the original game, I should say. They fixed down the remaster, thankfully. 
Well, that's good. I can't think of anything else to say other than the fact that I liked it. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, like with the skill system and everything, like go explore, go read. If you really care about them, like go read instructions on how to do them all, you know, try to track them down and then everything else. It's like, Hey, this is a solid game. If you want to keep playing it, keep playing it. Maybe look at take care of whatever you've got for it, be it like a, you know, a, a tray of some kind or just a table, but you keep your non-cased games on. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and also leave room in your heart for, of leave, course, Waggleton P. Tallywhacker. Yes. Never got to tell, tell him his name. He died before he heard it. <laughs> it's a solid, it's a solid B plus game. I recommend it. It goes on sale pretty frequently. Um, I do hope that eventually it does get a sequel. The developers did mention that they would like to do it eventually. So there is that. Yeah. It does actually have a, a, a bit of DLC that I, I, you know, you mentioned DLC before, but I don't think you said what it was, which is the, this is very era specific, the Duke Nukem uh, DLC, which makes Duke the playable main character and recorded some extra voice lines and stuff. Um, but this, the game still treats you as Duke, as if you're still playing the main, the normal main character, Grayson. So, you know, it's, I did, I didn't play with, play it. I watched the trailer for it. You know, it looks neat, but it just, is more um, and a, it's also, uh, voiced by John St. John. So, you know, it is the voice of Duke Nukem. It's not yeah. just a, you know, swapping out the character model. Okay, it yeah. is swapping out the character model as well, but uh, the character model just doesn't feel like it fits. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a, originally a pre-order bonus. I'm not convinced it's worth five bucks. I don't. I don't think it is, unless you really like Duke Nukem and and want it, you know. But it is, you know, it is what it is. It's there if you if you want it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, a surprise, like I, you know, a surprising game club game that I still liked it because I had played it before. I played this back closer to its launch date um, and I was surprised it played, you know, with it, with all older games. For me, the thing that I'm looking for is does it play like how I remember it? And the answer to that question is yes, this game plays like how I remember it. Which to me means that it is a solid gameplay experience, a solid, you know, B movie type game. And well, not as edgy as it was, right? Yeah. It just it just doesn't it feels vulgar, but not edgy, if that makes sense. Well, I imagine that it was a lot more edgy when it released, because it was also caught up in the you know, uh video games are uh making uh people racist or it's not not racist, rapists. Uh, that yeah. Fox News did, because of course Fox News. Although, this game? Really? Talking about sex and video games and they pick this game? Or was Fox News just attracted to all the dicks? Maybe. I mean, you know, Trump just did just say recently to, you know, make America gay. So, maybe. Oh, I, I do that you'd love that. I do love that. It's beautiful. But... I have to say, this game actually pretty respectful of women. I mean, she was utterly badass. We didn't really mention Triska all that much outside of 
Well, we saw her as a, a little girl, and then she made herself an utter badass wanting to uh, personally murder the person that killed her father. Turns out uh, it was Grayson, by the way. Yeah. But but she forgives him because she realizes that he didn't know, and he was being used like she was being used. And her squad, Final Echo, which was, you know, uh, who you eventually fight because, of course, right? Uh, yeah. Was also being uh, used because uh, General Douchebag, uh, well, Serrano, but General Douchebag was using them to essentially usurp power or whatever the hell he was doing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, did- no, she's a, she's a badass character. The game has multiple opportunities to be vulgar at her expense. And it doesn't take any of them. It never gives you an up, you know, sort of an er- upskirt type of deal. You know, it doesn't yeah, do any fan service. That, that does like a, you know, a decent ass shot of her. But she's in the middle of beating a couple of people to death with her bare hands. Yeah, after they've captured her. They call them creeps in the game. After they've captured her and you... you and Ishii show up, and you're like, we're gonna save you, and you come through the door, and she's just fucking, she's killed one of them, and she's beating the other one to death. She's <laughs> That's like the it. entire time. Yeah. And there's, there's one point where that there's like a little thing that you have to figure out how to advance, and she's like, a monkey could figure it out. If you get it in 15 seconds, I'll give you a wish. And it's, it's like, oh, shit, here we go. Here's the thing. Um, But it, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything with it. Like you're, if you do get it within the 15 second time limit before she tells you what to do, she's like, well, you get your wish. What do you want? What do you want your wish to be? And instead of being like, Oh, I'd spend a night with you or to see you naked or, you know, any of the millions of things they could have said, they used it as like a little story development moment for Grayson where he's like, just, just be nice. You know, forgive Ishii, be nice to him. He's had a hard time. And then the the implication there's like he's had a hard time at my expense, you know. Be yeah. nice to him, and it's like aw. So I, I felt like they treated her character with respect throughout, and women in general. I think I don't remember anything that was particularly like misogynistic. Yeah, no, there was uh, some lo- racism lo- though. Yeah, oh, a lot of well, mostly from general douchebag, uh, and of course calling Ishi sushi, uh, sushi dick the entire time. Yeah. Of which I'm pretty convinced that Serrano thinks that's his name at this point. Probably. Because, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, Okay, I'm going to make this comparison. Going back and playing Bulletstorm, even though you know, it is a somewhat recent release now with the remaster, does it feel as old as like going back to Borderlands 2? And that's because you know, this game's humor is built off of dick jokes and yeah, timeless things, not yeah, you know, uh, memes that were old. Yeah, and they're of the same era. I think Bulletstorm 2011, slightly later than um, Borderlands 2. Uh, actually, uh, Borderlands 2 is newer. 2012. Okay. And you were right, uh, Bulletstorm is 2011. Yeah. So... It's still of the same era, mm-hmm. some of the same types of humor, but Bulletstorm, I think, holds up better because, like you just said, it's not so referential to the mm-hmm. real world. So, yeah, solid game. Would recommend. 
enjoyed it throughout. As long Months. as you don't mind a potential you know, cliffhanger that doesn't get resolved. Yeah. So our next Game Club game for Spoopy Month, uh, we sat down and we had a good long conversation about spoopy games. And we decided, one, to make a list to have for future years, and two, to play a game by the name of Beacon Pines. Which uh, came out um, five days ago. Yep. Um, you can play this game if you have Game Pass via Game Pass. Otherwise, what does it cost? I'm going to say uh, 70, 20 bucks. Uh, yeah, well, $17.99 till, well, for the next, like, day and a half. So not uh, soon enough to, or not long enough to for people to grab it. But Beacon's Ponds is a cute and creepy adventure set in a mysterious book. Sneak out late, make new friends, uncover hidden truths. They collect words that will change the course of fate. Supposedly a pretty short one, too. Yeah, what was it, eight hours? Uh, I wanted to say uh, shorter than that. I wanted to say four. Three to four, according to this. Okay. Um, it's got a very cute art style. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking that this is either going to be amazing or it's going to be terrible. I don't think there's any in-between. Because mm-hmm. it seems like it's trying to be very, you know, spooky, creepy. I mean, not necessarily scary, you know, but like creepy. Um, and one the of the tags are psychological horror. But to yeah. be fair, you know, uh, a lot of games on uh, Steam have psychological horror and are not. Also, yeah. supposedly multiple endings. So I, I'm I'm hoping that it's really good. And the cutesy art style either works to soften whatever the horrible blow is the game is going to pull. Or it just serves as a juxtaposition. Like, oh, look at all these cutesy characters. But they're talking about death and murder and sadness and lifelong, you know, bad stuff. But they're so cute. Like, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, according to one of the top reviews, Winnie the Pooh meets Twin Peaks. You have my attention. Twin Peaks is weird. Yeah, I actually never really watched it. Twin Peaks... I don't think, okay, I think Twin Peaks is overhyped. I don't think it's as good as people like to think it is. But it is delightfully weird and very creepy. Unsettling. So, that's that's promising to me. But yeah, Beacon Pines for Spoopy Month. Well, it also was, you know, uh, in the 90s, right? Well, yes, but then they had the more recent next season. Continue H sequel? I don't I don't know how to describe Twin Peaks, like that mm-hmm. the new Twin Peaks. But there is a relatively new one. I think it came out three years ago, three, four years ago now. So new oh, is a like, relative term. That looks like five. I had okay. to go digging. Uh, looks like it's essentially a continuation. Yep. Cause the the first Twin Peaks, you know, series or whatever ends with them saying, like, well, we'll be back here in twenty years. And then it's like the the show picks up twenty five yeah. years. Yeah, but but the show picks up like on the date. Mm-hmm. Um. So, anyways, Twin Twin Peaks, watch it if you like weird stuff. But yeah, we will we will talk about Beacon Pines when we do our Spoopy Month Game Club here in a few yeah, weeks, which will be October twenty fifth. Indeed. 
And then we have a long month for the next one, but an approximate, uh, but a an appropriately large scale game for it. Indeed. So yeah, uh, you ready to go talk about some news topics? I think so. Our first so, news. Yeah. News oh, topic. go ahead. Oh, yeah. Our first news topic of the night: Twitch creator exit or Twitch creator chief exits with controversy over streamer pace swirling so the gist of what's going on with the streamers pay is the revenue split um twitch is essentially reducing the maximum revenue split for everyone but especially the largest streamers historically streamers could get i believe it was 70 percent yeah 70 a 70 percent split of all revenue that they earn on twitch Period. You know, if you're big enough, it, it at least that we know about. I'm 100% convinced there are backroom contracts and deals that have given people more that we don't know anything about, and we uh, never especially will. Especially so the top ones, right? Yeah, but, um, you know, the, the stated maximum was 70%. And in order to increase Twitch's own revenue, because Amazon owns them and wants to make money with them, uh, more money, all the money... Mm-hmm. Uh, the now the maximum revenue split is just fifty percent across the board. If you do hit a certain level, I think it's your first hundred thousand. Yeah, the first you're entitled to seventy percent. The seventy thirty, and then it drops down to the fifty fifty. Which hundred thousand sounds like a lot, but some of these top streamers are making millions. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm assuming that you remember Rage, but also, you know, the listeners, if you remember, when was it? Six months ago? Maybe a year? There was that huge data breach with Twitch, and mm-hmm. it was the 2019 figures or something like that for the top earners on Twitch. Yeah, what was it, like the top 20 or 30 were all doing over a million? Yeah, with some of them doing in the tens of millions, like Critical Role was making 20, I think it was 24 or 25 million. They were the top. They were making 24 or 25 million dollars off of just the Twitch avenue or avenue revenue or um, ad revenue streams, not any of their other deals or merch or anything like that. It was just the ad revenue split was 20, somewhere between 23 and 25 million. Grab that because, right? Uh, uh, I, I continue because I'm just looking it up. Yeah, Critical Role, uh, just shot of ten million, nine million six hundred sixty-two thousand seven hundred twenty-one, dollars and sixteen cents, according to this. Okay, so it's less than what I thought it was, but still, it's a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. A a one metric fuck ton. But anyways, way, I'm looking down the list. Uh, at you drop below 1 million at place 81 on the top 100. That's still a shit ton of people. You know? Yeah. And this is, yeah, from two years ago now? I mean, it's just, whew. Yeah. But, anyways, um, so that's that's the revenue split controversy, we'll say. Many creators, many, many creators on Twitch 
are complaining about this, about and their loss some, of income. Uh, some went dark uh, as a protest, uh, rightfully so. I mean, that's the thing, is that some people are mocking them, saying, well, you're upset because you're not getting paid as much for playing games. But without the content creators, you don't have... The right? platform. Mm-hmm. Let's so see. Just, yeah. I mean, Other... It, and. And the thing is, is like Twitch does serve as the largest streaming platform in terms mm-hmm. of its watch or its viewership. Um, other platforms technically are larger, like YouTube streaming technically is larger because it's YouTube. Uh, but Twitch has still got the most, uh, the largest community, sort of the benefit of being like the the biggest early on streaming service, you know. Um, but Twitch has you know even historically taken more off the top and many small creators were pushing for them to go to a strictly 70 30 split like what youtube does with uh, youtube streaming and microsoft what was the microsoft streaming service mixer mixer's dead right yeah mixer died years ago now wasn't mixer only taking like 15 percent of revenue to try and encourage creators to come to the platform um, but, you know, this is, again, this is sort of the history about what's going on with this this uh, pay rate issue, mm-hmm. is that the content creators were pushing to get more money, which rightfully they should. Um, they should have that money. And Twitch wasn't doing it and is now going the opposite direction and reducing the amount of income that all Twitch, you know, all of their large Twitch streamers get. So that's that's where we come into this story and uh, i gotta say i think i'm pretty much on the uh, content creator side on this one because me too yeah it sucks however you know you can't just pull up roots and go elsewhere because the other option is youtube and right yeah if if this works out well for twitch guess what youtube is going to do right the same thing I mean, this is why Twitch streamers have altered it to uh, uh, income streams as well. You know, sell their shirts, uh, uh, sell their OnlyFans. And no, I'm not joking because, you know, that, you know, y- you really think that the girls on there that are, uh, you know, uh, in those really low cut uh, tops aren't uh, on OnlyFans, right? Yeah. But no judgment. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I'm a big no, supporter no, of people with OnlyFans. No, I wasn't judging. I was just saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, selling shirts, selling themselves, selling, uh, yeah, doing uh, voiceover work and uh, or having uh, call uh, shout outs, that sort of thing. Because there's the other thing is that uh, people pay for you know like a short message from them. I mean, there's a lot of alternate uh, income streams that they're having to go on, and if Twitch continues to do this, you're going to see more and more. And honestly, I mean, the problem is where are you going to go? Because, like I said, YouTube, you have the same problem, and you also have the problem now with YouTube where if you don't have an active subscriber base on there already... You're looking at a long time to get on there because it is based off of the number of subs plus a view time of uh, your uh, uh, content 
before you're even able to apply for a, a sponsorship. So, right. Yeah. So the the whole thing about this person, though, uh, Constance Knight is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have nothing but speculation as to why she's leaving. The Bloomberg uh, got a hold of this uh, employee memo um, where that she states uh, that she's embarking on a new adventure that provides exciting growth opportunities for both for me, both professionally and personally failing up. Yeah. Failing upward. But we don't know why she was resigning. We don't know if she, you know, fucked up and has chosen to resign if it's because she handled this badly, we don't or know if she protested it and is being forced out. If or yeah, is she the sacrificial uh, lamb? Uh, yeah, sacrificial uh, firing. We just don't know. And we might not ever know. I suspect either... I would love to know just how much uh, money Twitch is making these days. But the thing is that it could also be a loss leader because it's also Amazon behind them. Because Right? Yeah. Which also does feel weird that Amazon hasn't done more with them. You know? Because weren't they uh, originally... Oh, shit. What? Um, so what? after you said that, I just Googled it. This, uh, this is an article from 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, where'd it go? I lost it. It was a lot. Uh... Here it is. Twitch made an estimated 1.54 billion in revenue. So that's not profit. That's mm-hmm. revenue streams in 2020, primarily from subscriptions and purchases, in-app purchases. And then it says uh, bits. bits. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It it is possible. It seems unlikely to me, but it is possible that that is still not profitable, depending on how much money it costs to run Twitch. Mm-hmm. And if Amazon, and there's no way for us to know. That's the thing. There, yeah, there's no way for us to know. How much did Amazon pay for Twitch? Uh, billions. To the Google, nine hundred and seventy million. Oh, uh, not as much as I thought. But it was yeah, also 2014. Yeah. So there's always a chance that Twitch is not profitable based on how much it costs to run it. And if there's another purpose behind it for Google, like if it serves as some testing plat or not Google, sorry, Amazon serves as a testing platform for some type of, of tech or development that they're doing. Like, you know, this is all spitballing on my part like it's possible which feels crazy to me but you know when you're in this size corporate territory you know a billion dollars you know a half a billion dollars could wind up being a rounding error you know with the types of money that these corporations mega corporations throw around and control so it's possible that it's not making money. It feels like it should be, but it's possible it's not. Or even if it's just breaking even, yeah, they're still leaving money on the table, right? Yeah. And, and you know, that that phrase leaving money on the table. We can't companies aren't happy with some of the money or even most mm-hmm. of the money. They have to try to take all of the money all the time. And take as m- uh, much as they can and if they think that they could get away with a 50/50 split on uh, ads, Oh boy, are they going to do it? It makes me wonder if we're going to see even more ads on Twitch, which 
they've started bypassing you know stuff like ad block uh to just direct uh to inject directly into the video stream instead of having a separate thing and they also made it where uh for, well this has been a while but originally if you were a Amazon Prime member you just didn't see ads on Twitch where well, they removed that and now it's only on what you're subscribed to and you get your one free subscription a month so yeah you, know, you get to see the uh, you know that one Alienware ad for the twentieth time. If you're you know just having it running in the background, right? Yep. So I don't uh, know. I, I was going to say I'm surprised Amazon hasn't done more with them because one of the big things that they were pushing was Twitch integration to Luna, and Luna has just been kind of just sitting there. I've tried it a couple times on the f- you know free rotation of games, and it's just. Eh, it works mostly, but yo, right? Yeah, I uh, you know, I like you said a minute ago. I side with the creators and all of this. Mm-hmm. I hope they all come out on top somehow, or at least okay. I don't know. I mean, the only way I could see it working is a uh good number of the high-end streamers just going dark for days. But then you're just threatening to just lose your viewer base because uh, well, to borrow Jim Stephanie Sterling, uh, the fan base is infuriating. And they'll get pissy about them not streaming on their schedule because they're protesting, right? Yep. I, uh... Yeah. I wish all the creators all the best. Solidarity with my non-corporate people. I don't know if I have anything else to say. So are you ready to move on to the next news topic? Uh, I think so, because there's really not a lot more to say on that one. So, AIM Junkies countersues Bungie for hacking and DMCA violations. So, I'm going to do my best. This one is really confusing. Yeah, this was your homework. Uh, This, uh, uh, well, uh, the first one was from his cubeness, and this one's... uh, the last one was from his cubeness. This one's from Jim. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, Bungie sued Aim Junkies, this company that sells some kind of cheat program or software or something for Destiny, um, De- Destiny Two specifically. Uh, and, and they sell the Loot Cave. Yeah, they said they sell the Loot Cave. Um. So Bungie is suing them, has been suing them. And this legal, this court case has been going on for a year, a couple of years now, some, you know, somewhere in that range. And in essence, the easiest way I can explain this is AIM Junkies said in court, I'm rubber and you are glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Because the arguments they are making are along the lines of, one, we're not doing anything that's actually illegal which is not the basis for how civil suits work, but I digress. They're saying we're we're not actually doing anything that's really illegal. And in fact, Bungie is doing things that are illegal, and they broke their own terms of service, so why do we have to abide by rules that they won't follow? Because Bungie apparently submitted some old documentation um, into the court record. And while their current terms of service do prohibit the types of um, aimbots and whatnots uh, that 
that aim junkies had made and was selling was using um at the time when they sued them this uh didn't exist and so they're saying that it's invalid and that's that's the best i got i'm not a lawyer um you know there're probably some some lawyer youtubers who've talked about this but that's that's the gist of it to the best that i can understand any questions yeah. uh not really i mean honestly this one's kind of just over my head and i sat and read the article and just you know kind of went cross-eyed after a while yeah uh i mean i'm not sure who i f- am going to root for because one is a corporation the other one is a bunch of cheaters so right uh, even yeah. though yes i know Destiny is mostly cooperative, but you start having it where people are cheating the game and getting you know, all the uh, uh, extra loot. The, well, that's just going to make the ground even worse later on, right? Yeah. So, uh, can I just hope they destroy each other? <laughs> that would be the best outcome, yes. So, yeah, I, yeah, sorry I don't have a lot to say on this one. It's just... That's okay. I don't either. And I'm not even sure I know exactly what's going on. I think I do, but you know. Yeah, but I just don't want to skip over it because you know, Jim has been good to send us stuff, so, right? Yeah. I guess it's just one, you know, one to watch and see what happens in the I, I think we need a, I think we need Legal Eagle to break this down. Oh, yeah. Please do or, Legal or, Eagle. Or, or break favorite, it down for me. Or, or our favorite copyright attorney. Yep, Leonard French, but yeah, okay. You ready to move on to our last topic of the night? Yeah, I think so. All right, Grand Theft Auto Six hacker teens, uh, teen suspect held in youth detention center. Yeah, not really a community uh, topic, but kind of a follow up from the Giga leak from uh, last week. So, seventeen-year-old suspect is believed to be behind the GTA. Uh, Auto leak uh, hack. Uh, he was on uh, bail for another hack, so he is seriously fucked up. I mean, this is his life is pretty much over at this point. If this is true, it's believed that he was behind the uh, Uber hack earlier in the year and was out on bail. Yeah, and decided to hack Rockstar because there was two major hacks. Uh, uh, Uber and I think it was Microsoft, and he was behind one of them. And well, uh, City of London Police Cybercrime Unit acknowledged the interview individual has appeared in court over the weekend and is now being held in a youth detention center. Oh boy, right? Uh, not releasing his name because he is still being considered a yeah uh, a minor. But we'll see what comes of this because oh, Rockstar is going to have a field day with him. They're going to act like he's doing a, a, a texture remap of one of their games, right? Yep. So, honestly, for this kid in my head, I'm like, yeah, God bless him. Godspeed. You hack these major corporations all day, every day. However, I don't want him to destroy his life because of it. And that's what I fear he has already done. Because, yeah, he was out on bail. And he decides to pull another hack. It makes me wonder just how he did it, though. You know? Is yeah. he some elite hacker, or did he do social engineering? Because 
honestly, most of the time it's yeah, some sort of social engineering, you know, getting the right person's, you know, like first pet or you know, whatever password recovery to you know, break in, right? Yeah. Because uh, as much as you want to tie down and lock down a system, uh, a, uh, a piece of armor is only as strong as its weakest link. And humans can be extremely weak when it comes to security. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see uh, some more information down the line, especially when this goes to trial, because you know it's going to go to trial. Uh, the question is, who's going to uh, fuck him over first, Uber or Rockstar, right? <laughs> Definitely Rockstar. Let's be real. Rockstar, don't <laughs> don't fuck around. It don't play. Yeah. Uh, and poor kid, uh, from the sounds of everything, uh, him blackmailing Rockstar does not look good. Yeah. Although, although, yeah, respect the yeah respect the game, but at the same time, ooh, right. I'm looking for anything else in this article that that I might add, but I mean, I don't think so because it's. I mean, you know, this is mostly a follow-up on uh, everything from last week. Yeah, and I suspect there will be another follow-up in a week. And he admits to breaching his bail conditions. Uh, but pleads not guilty to the computer misuse. Still going through? Yeah, I can't. I don't, I don't think I have anything else to add. I mean, this one, I guess, was more your homework. And I think you succinctly covered that update i mean this um, was more just follow up on everything from uh last week because right yep 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 so where can where can people if they want to give us stuff to put in the show where can they do that well you can do so at vglpodcast at gmail.com you can tweet to us vglpodcast or you can drop by the discord if you wish which a link to that is over at vglpodcast dot podbean dot com. So, do we want to hit a quick doobly do or call it a night? I am standing up so that I don't fall asleep in my chair. Oh, so doobly do. Uh, okay, got it. <laughs> oh, my kid oh. is on fall break next week. Fingers crossed, nothing goes bad on Tuesday, and then I won't be really tired when I get to get to the show recording. Yeah, well, well, look at it this way. Uh. Assuming that we do good next week, uh, hopefully I'll be uh, you know, coherent come the 11th because it'll be uh, post-anime uh, con for me. Right? So either take a break that week or get to hear about the, the con. Yeah, although I will have to have you take care of the show on the, four, or, or, or the fourth's recording. So I do apologize. He is a fuck-up, but he will get the uh, the show notes done. They won't the, be pretty. The show will be up on time, and the show notes will be there. They won't be great, but they'll be there. This is my promise to you. If, if elected, you will have show notes. They will be on time. And they Do will be ex- gay. They will be queer as fuck. Queerer, even. Just like a certain elevator ride. Oh yeah, I was that—that uh, that was probably the fa- the funniest part to me in that game. I don't know what I thought was the funniest part. That was a good part. That was funny. Oh, it was also, uh, yeah, uh, not overly dick related. I mean, it was dick related, but not in that way, right? Yeah. But uh, speaking of dicks, if you were to <laughs> send Jared one, 
Please do. You can do so at Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics. Tweet them to us. VGL Podcast on the Twitter. Uh, what's your socials? Right. My socials. I'm supposed to say, hey, Rage, hit them with the socials. You're oh, throwing you a curveball so at me. So I jumped in. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Uh, I tweeted today about Battletech because that's what I do. Um, but find me at JMA4707. I tweet about all kinds of stuff. You can be, you know, chat with me on Discord if you join our Discord, Jareth4707 there, or be my friend on Steam. Just come say hey. Be like, hey, how's it going? And I'll be like, it's going pretty good, I think, probably, or terrible. I don't know. I tend to be honest with those answers with people. Then we can have a little conversation. Then I'll blow you a smooch. Ew. Mwah. And if you was to catch me on Twitter, you could do so, GameOCR. Uh, commented today about enjoying a console shooter. Ooh, scary and ominous and teasing for next week. Uh, or if yours to be my friend on Steam, you could do so caffeine rage. Now continuing with the uh, end of show spiel, because yeah, doing this way out order now, right? Uh, yeah. our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreoncom slash podcast. Our show notes can be found mangled or not. BGLpodcast.podbean.com If you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you wish to join the Discord, a link is over there as well. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at Incompetech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.